0: Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. It's the first fully fleshed out story that my husband and I have written together, and I really hope you all like it. Before we begin, I'd also love to share a promo for a show that is incredibly similar to mine, so if you like Scare You to Sleep, I think you'll love Scared by Scott. Welcome to Scared by Scott. Do you like listening to scary or creepy stories? If so, sit back and listen as I, your host, Scott Newman, present two to three short stories with minimal music and sound effects for that campfire story feel. You may recognize my name as I've had some of my stories adapted by the No Sleep Podcast over the years. Please subscribe to Scared by Scott. Wherever you listen to the podcast. And remember, try not to get scared. Now, on to the story of the evening. I present to you The Cursed Hat. Lewis Walker wakes up abruptly to a loud knock on his door. He looks at the clock. It's four in the afternoon. He trudges through the piles of dirty clothes and trash in his studio apartment. The banging on the door continues. It's the landlord. Lewis, I need that rent. You told me you'd have it five days ago. Lewis stops in his tracks. He tries to stay as still as possible. He doesn't have the money. I know you're in there. Lewis opens the door. Listen, Mr. Farley, about the rent. I don't have the money yet, but I'm working on it. Mr. Farley furrows his brow. And how exactly are you working on it, Lewis? No more bullshit. Lewis pleads with Farley. I have a meeting with Capitol Records in two days. It's a studio musician gig with contract and a steady salary. Mr. Farley stands there, expressionless. You have one week. Then you're out on your ass. Mr. Farley points at the piano in the corner with empty liquor bottles and paper strewn all over the top of it. You could always sell that thing if it doesn't work out. Lewis closes the door and slumps against it, crumpling to the floor. He looks down at his phone. There's a voicemail from Tony, his agent. He clicks play. Lewis, it's me, Tony. Listen, I don't mean to put any more pressure on you than necessary, but... This meeting with Capitol Records doesn't go well. I've got to drop you. This was the last favor, and I really had to put my ass on the line for it, so don't fuck this up, okay? Love you, buddy. Take care. He hangs his head, stuck in the beginning of some strange horror story, about to lose it all. He looks over at the piano. He hasn't actually written in God knows how long. He was just all talk. And now, he had to put action behind his words. He clears off the piano and sits in front of it. He notices a slip of paper sitting on the keys. It's a gift certificate for $200 with a note attached that says, Happy birthday, baby. Love you. Lewis folds it and shoves it into his pocket. Would have been better to just have the $200. He stares at the keys of his piano. Come on! Write something! Anything! A few hours go by. It's dark outside now. He's finally playing a tune on the keys. Really feeling it. But then realizes... He's just writing a song that already exists. He clangs the keys, frustrated. Maybe a walk will clear my head. Sliding on some jeans and a dirty t-shirt from the floor, Lewis walks out the front door of his building and breathes in the night air. He lights a cigarette as he heads towards Melrose. He's walking aimlessly down the sidewalk, but begins to feel like he's walking with a purpose as if something within him is guiding him somewhere. He follows his feet onto Melrose. Everything's closed, and the lights in the shops are off. All but one. It's a small shop. It stands alone on the boulevard, not connected to any other building. An old hanging sign creaks in the Santa Ana winds. It reads, Haberdashery like a beacon in the darkness. Louis can't explain it, but feels a strong urge to go in. He can't even afford rent. Why would he need a hat? Although he did have a big meeting. Maybe it would be nice to spice up his look a bit. Then he remembers something. He looks in his wallet and pulls out a gift certificate from Teresa. It was so old-fashioned, but Teresa was into stuff like that. She was convinced she was born in the wrong era and that her real life was supposed to be in the 70s, so it was on brand. Fuck it. Might as well get a new hat. The bell above the door chimes as Lewis walks in. When the door closes behind him, he notices the silence in the empty store, contrasting the sounds of... L.A. on the street and in his shitty studio apartment. It was like it was his first time hearing silence in years. There's a man behind the counter. He's ambiguously ageless, either 50 years old or 20 years old. He's wearing a dapper suit that looks like it's from the 1930s and sporting a handlebar mustache. To Lewis, it was a standard Melrose look. Lewis breaks the silence. I guess I'm looking for a hat? The man smirks. Well, you've come to the right place. Looking for anything in particular? I I have a meeting in a few days. Kind of one of those make-it-or-break-it type of meetings. What kind of hat would a man need for such an occasion? the mustachioed man comes from behind the counter. He picks up a white hat. This steed derby hat is a classic bowler shape that emanates serious style and class. The 100% wool steed boasts a four-and-a-half-inch round crown, a a two-and-a-quarter-inch brim with a wrapped edge, and a classic gross green hat band. Lewis tries it on. It's just not quite right. They try on a few more. Lewis isn't satisfied yet. This might sound strange, but I feel like it's calling me... I need something that tells the world I'm a serious musician. The man's demeanor changes a bit. He gets closer to Lewis, softening his voice. I think I have what you're looking for. Follow me. The man leads Lewis through the store to a room in the back behind a velvet curtain. The room is dimly lit. There is a black trilby hat on display in the center of the room, under a light, like a museum piece. Lewis stands over it in awe, like he's found the Holy Grail. The man puts on a pair of gloves and gently removes the hat from the display. This hat belonged to, perhaps, the greatest ragtime piano player of all time. Robert Perkins. Lewis's interest has piqued. Oh, yeah. Didn't he just pass away recently? (laughs) Maybe you're thinking of Pine Top Perkins. God rest his soul. Robert Perkins died in Chicago in the 1920s, after being shot in a bar fight. He was supposed to record the next day, He had this hat on the night he died. After all these years, it found its way to me, looking for the next worthy musician to sit atop his brilliant head. The man puts the hat on Lewis's head. Maybe that's you. Lewis looks in a mirror in the corner of the room. The hat sits perfectly on his head he's found the one (laughs) I can practically smell the whiskey and cigars the salesman stands behind Lewis he was more of a gin man really this is the one I have to have it how much is it an almost eerie smile comes across the man's face in the spirit of Perkins I'll take however much you have in your wallet Lewis pulls the gift certificate out of his wallet Will this do? The man looks at the paper Perfect Lewis walks out of the store with his new hat on and a new sense of confidence As he walks away the light in the front of the store goes off As he's sauntering down Melrose, some music begins playing in his head. It's a tune he hasn't heard before. Could it be? New music? Lewis runs home and lands directly in front of his piano. His arms are almost out in front of him like they're leading him. The moment his fingers hit the keys, music begins to pour out of him. It's stuff that he's always dreamed of playing, but just never had the courage old school boogie woogie and jazz tunes mr farley pokes his head out of his apartment down the hall he stands there for a moment enraptured by the music huh kids actually good that night lewis writes song after song like a man possessed he couldn't stop writing if he wanted to the sun comes up the next morning there's a small knock on the door, and then it opens. Teresa walks into Lewis's apartment. Louis is asleep on the couch, covered in sheets of music. She smiles with admiration at her sleeping beau. She picks up some of the music and looks over it. Wow, you've been busy. She spots the hat on the piano. She tries it on and sits on the bench, fingering some of the keys pretending to be an old-timey piano player. Lewis opens one eye. His vision is blurry. He looks over to the piano, and there's a young man sitting on the bench in 1920s garb, and the hat on, staring back at Lewis. Robert Perkins, sitting in Lewis's apartment, at his piano. But how? Lewis jumps out of his skin. The papers stacked around him go flying. Teresa takes off the hat and goes to comfort Lewis. Babe! Babe! It's okay! It's me! He calms down. He stares, bewildered, at Teresa. She caresses his hair. Jeez! You look like you've seen a ghost. He looks around at all the music he's written. (sighs) sorry i was up all night writing i see that i was looking at the music it looks really good and there's so much of it i wrote an entire album last night i'm not done either i just passed out at some point it was like the music was written itself teresa cups his face in her hands I knew you were going to come out of that funk, and just in time for your meeting tomorrow." Teresa kisses Louis. I'm off to work. I just wanted to stop by and make sure you hadn't set fire to your piano. (laughs) He smiles with tired eyes. Teresa grabs her things and heads to the door. She opens it and turns back to Louis. Just think, after tomorrow, I'll be dating a studio musician. Lewis retorts. Where are you going to find a studio musician to date by tomorrow? Teresa smiles and rolls her eyes, closing the door behind her. Lewis looks at the hat on top of the piano. He puts it on and gets back to work. Not skipping a beat. The next morning, Lewis arrives at Capitol Records with his Flashy new hat and a satchel overstuffed with original Lewis Walker music. He sits down in front of their piano in the studio. The hallway to get here was lined with gold and platinum records. A group of executives and A&R stare at him coldly from the other side of a big round table. Jamie from a and breaks the tense silence. You've come highly recommended by Tony. Let's hope he was right. Play away, Mr. Rocker. Lewis stares at the keys. A bead of sweat drips down his face. He puts his foot on the pedal and is taken away by the music. The suits watch in awe. Where had this man been, and why wasn't he already signed with someone? Lewis cranks one song after the other without stopping. A continuous eargasm. Some of the starch leaves the execs. They're loosening up and dancing in their seats. They can't help it. Jamie stands up. Whoa, whoa, just a second. Lewis hears her and comes to, like he's just been brought out of hypnosis. She stands there for a second, bewildered. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, greenville mississippi originally been in la for 10 years spinning my wheels why haven't i seen you around here playing that music i've never seen you at the tap room or the blue whale hell i haven't even seen you at the baked potato lewis smiles nervously still a little confused like he can't remember the past 10 minutes of playing the piano Probably just the adrenaline he plays it cool well this this is pretty new stuff. I think I've finally found my groove. Lewis walks out of the building, practically skipping with a huge smile on his face. He takes off the hat and kisses it like his lucky rabbit's foot. He calls Teresa. He can hardly believe what just happened. They want me to record an album. What? I thought this was just for a session musician gig. Teresa screams, ignoring the table that she's currently waiting on at the diner. It was, but I played them the stuff that I wrote the past two days and they want me to record it for an album. Oh my god! You're getting a record deal? We've still gotta iron out the details, but let's just say the audition went better than expected... (laughs) <laughs> you call Tony right now and tell him I will be with you in just a second, I am on the phone, and you tell him, you told him, you could do, ma'am, your salad will be out in just a moment, just give me one second second, and you tell him you told him you could do it. Ma'am, your salad will be out in just a moment. I always believed in you, baby. Congratulations. We'll celebrate later, I promise. Shit. Okay, gotta go. I love you. Lewis has one more phone call to make. As he walks into his apartment, he dials Tony's number. Proud to have you as a client, buddy. I never once doubted you. Thank you for not making me look like a dumbass. Lewis grins as he remembers how just two weeks ago, Tony was threatening to drop him. Yeah, thank you for the audition. I couldn't have gotten in that room without you. It was crazy. I, I was so in the zone. I hardly remember most of it. He takes off his hat and puts it on his piano. I'm officially out of my funk. Teresa even bought me a new hat. I think it was a serious confidence booster. That's great, buddy. I love it. Well, you and your new hat are headed downtown to Newport Beach tonight. Jamie from Capitol Records pulled some strings and... they want you on their house keys, playing some of your new music to get you some heat. Nobody knows who you are yet, but after tonight, they will. The street in front of the old jazz club is teeming with cars. There's a line around the building and up the block a ways. Jamie had somehow managed to book their busiest night. No pressure. Lewis crosses the crosswalk and spots Jamie at the door. She waves at him and ushers him inside. Jamie and Lewis push through the crowd to the bar. Jamie orders two whiskeys. Lewis pipes up. Actually, mind ordering me a gin? They take their drinks to the green room behind the stage. It's a dark, dank old room that hasn't been changed since the place opened. The only dim light is coming from an antique fixture hanging from the ceiling, and a red neon beer sign on the wall above an old leather couch that has probably seen more action than Motley Crue. There's an aged upright piano in the corner, Lewis sits at it, sipping his gin. The ice cubes clink on the glass in his shaky hand. After some small talk, Jamie takes her leave. Well, I'm going to go work the club, get the buzz going about you playing tonight. They'll call you to the stage when it's time. Good luck. She closes the door. He sits in silence for a few minutes, staring at the keys. He gets a text from Teresa. I'm here, babe. I'm at the table in the center of the room with Tony and Jamie. We'll be cheering for you. Louis pulls out some music and places it on the piano rack. He closes his eyes and begins to softly run through some of the music on the keys. He doesn't notice that there's a man sitting on the couch behind him. It's Perkins. The old hanging light begins to blink a little, then surges brighter and brighter until the bulb explodes, bathing the small room in red light. Lewis whips around in his chair and locks eyes with pine top who's now standing, illuminated only by the red neon. Lewis is paralyzed. He can't move or speak. Perkins slowly approaches him. He puts his hand on Lewis's hat, on his hat. Both of their eyes simultaneously roll back in their heads. Perkins speaks. Don't worry, son. I'll do the playing. Lewis blacks out. He opens his eyes, a little, in a thick haze. Everything he's seeing is in a weird slow motion, like he's been drugged. He's sitting on stage, in front of a piano. There's a few other musicians on stage too, sweating to keep up. He looks out and he's in front of a full house. Teresa and Tony sit at a middle table, cheering him on, when he looks back at the piano. The tops of his hands are covered in blood, and there are strings poking out of his skin, tugging at his joints like a marionette. He looks up, and Perkins is standing over him, eyes rolled back in his head, pulling the strings. He blacks out again. Suddenly, Lewis springs awake. He's in his bed, covered in sweat. The morning sun beams through his window and into his eyes. Teresa is lying naked next to him. She rustles awake. <laughs> morning, music man. He rubs his eyes in his face. The memory of Robert standing in the red light flashes in his head. He shakes it off. Uh, How did I do last night? Teresa runs her fingers up his back. Which part of last night? The part where you had the entire club eating out of the palm of your hands? Or the part where we came back here for our own little private after-party? I don't know where this new Louis came from, but I hope he's here to stay. Louis looks over at the hat. A sadistic grin twists across his face. I Was that good, huh? Teresa sits up in bed and lights a cigarette. I've never seen a crowd that... that... (laughs) mesmerized. It was spiritual. They were all dancing and swaying to every note. At some point... Even I kind of just got lost in the music. Lewis turns the knob on his shower to steaming hot. He stands in the water for a bit, trying to wrap his head around the past few days. Am I going crazy? Is this all a dream? The water flows down his face. Whatever is happening, One week ago I was a loser, now I'm playing for a packed house. He towels off. He dries his face and wipes the steam away from the mirror. When he opens his eyes, Robert is in the reflection, staring back at him. Lewis falls back and grabs a towel back to collect himself, ripping it off the wall. After scrambling for a bit, he regains his composure and... Mustering enough courage to look back at the mirror, it's just his reflection now. He walks back into his room. Teresa is fast asleep again. Louis gets dressed and makes his way to the door. He pauses by the hat and, after a second of contemplation, he puts it on. Teresa turns her head, still half asleep, eyes closed. Headed out, babe. Yeah, I was just going to run a few errands. Okay. See you when you get back. Love the new hat, by the way. Thanks. You bought it for me. I used that gift certificate you gave me. Teresa is almost back to sleep. Gift certificate? For my birthday. Uh, I got you an electric razor for your birthday. No, it was a $200 gift certificate for... Actually, I can't remember what the shop was called. Some hipster place on Melrose. She snorts. <laughs> you think I can buy you a $200 hat? On my salary? Babe, I work at a diner next to a retirement home. Sometimes my only tips are worthers and racism. Lewis laughs uncomfortably and hesitantly walks out the door. Walking down Melrose, he holds the hat in his hands, keeping it far from his head. He's walking towards the hat shop where he got it in the first place. It was time to get rid of this damn thing. He gets to the address where the light above the haberdashery called to him that night. He finally reaches the door and it won't open. He steps back and looks, and there's no sign or light or even a shop anymore. It's a boarded up building, and it looks like it has been for some time. Lewis walks the city, trying to find answers. He puts on the hat again. Maybe it'll answer some questions. He walks up to Sunset Boulevard and pops into Amoeba. He's browsing through records and is approached by a staff member, an old guy with a hippie vibe, wearing a tie-dyed shirt. Can I help you, man? "Uh, Yeah, I'm looking for some old-school piano blues. Got any Robert Perkins? The guy walks down to the end of the row of records and picks through a stack. He finally lands on one and pulls it out. He flashes the cover to Lewis, and his nightmare is suddenly made real. It's the face of the man that's been visiting him, wearing the hat. It's Lewis's very literal ghostwriter. The hippie guy jokes, "Hey, look! You got the same hat on, man?" Lewis takes the record and stares into Robert's eyes. Got anywhere I can listen to this? I don't have a record player at home. Sure, we got an old booth upstairs. Follow me. Lewis is in the listening booth with headphones on, blocking out any sound but silence. He puts the record on the turntable and moves the arm, placing the needle on the vinyl. At first, there's nothing. Then, some slight crackling. The crackling gets louder, and suddenly, the lights around the booth all begin to dim. The music pours into Lewis's ears. Darkness falls over the booth, all but one light above his head. He looks up and sees his reflection in the glass. Perkins is standing behind him, and everything goes. He comes to again. This time he's on a different stage, at the Blue Whale. The house is packed with people swaying to his music. His hands being puppeted again by Perkins. Louis no longer has control of his own life. It's a haze of blacking out and waking up next to Teresa, then losing the rest of the day in front of the piano in his apartment, wearing that hat. The day always ends with him finding himself in some crowded jazz club. The crowd's getting bigger and bigger and more cult-like. One morning, he wakes up and doesn't even recognize his apartment. It's spotless, there's new furniture, and he has no idea how it got there. How he could even afford all this. Teresa walks in with breakfast and some coffee. Well... You were uphill last night. Lewis is altogether confused. What happened? And where did this furniture come from? Lewis, what's been going on with you? I I gotta say, I'm enjoying this streak of yours, but you're just not here anymore. Don't get lost in all the success. Boom. He's on stage at Royce Hall in Westwood. 1,800 people are all eyes on him. His sweat and blood are dripping on the piano as he rips up the keys with no memory of how he even got there. He looks out at the crowd with desperation. I want off this ride, Perkins. He looks up, and Robert just stares down at him, saying nothing, pulling the strings, forcing Walker's hands. Hot water from a shower faucet rains down on Lewis. He opens his eyes and looks around. He's not in his shower. He steps out and dries off with some plush towels hanging on the wall. He sees a big furry robe with his initials on it, so he puts it on. He walks out of the bathroom, and he's in a giant, lavish bedroom. There's a note on the pillow. It's from Teresa. It reads, Dear Louis, I've gone to stay with my parents in Santa Barbara for the week. I love you, but I feel you are not very present in our relationship and just need to focus on your music right now. I'll keep in touch. T." Louis runs out of the room to see if Teresa is still there. He opens the bedroom door and... steps into a mansion. Where am I? He walks down a spiral staircase to a grand living room with floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the city. In the center of the room is a huge white grand piano. He notices there are framed pictures sitting on top of it. There are a few of him and Teresa, some of Tony, and... Even one of Jamie from a signed, Remember where you started? There are more pictures on the mantle above a giant fireplace. Pictures of red carpets, private jets, cheek to cheek with celebrities. His own wedding day to Teresa. Lewis doesn't remember taking a single one. He scans all the pictures, until he gets to one in particular. It's Robert Perkins. A sepia-toned moment captured in front of an old grain silo in Mississippi in the early 1900s. Lewis's body shakes all over. He swallows hard. He takes the picture from the mantle, staring at it for a bit. Then a voice comes from behind him told you i'd do the plan lewis drops the picture it smashes on the ground he turns around and perkins is sitting on the couch smoking a cigar lewis lunges at him in his bathrobe you son of a bitch you stole my life he lands on an empty space on the couch Robert is now standing by the fireplace. Lewis tries to grab him and he scrapes his face on the brick, falling down in a pile of fur and pain. Now Robert is sitting at the piano. He plays a tune and Lewis becomes... entranced. Robert looks back at him. What are you worried about? You weren't doing anything with that life of yours. Or that piano. Robert plays a little melody, or that girl. Louis is enraged. He tries to fight the trance and attack Robert, but he can't seem to find the strength. Robert keeps on talking while he's playing. I've been waiting so long to play again, and I finally got that record deal. We got that record deal, Louis. I may be pulling the strings, but look around, man. You're cashing in. Lewis sits paralyzed on the couch now, staring at Robert. You know, I was just going to play a few gigs and then let you take the reins back, but I'm having way too much fun now. Lewis tries to speak. He's mumbling something. Perkins puts a finger over his lips. Shh. Don't worry I'll do the playing. Lewis blacks out He comes to He's on a stage This time Bigger than he's ever seen There's an orchestra accompanying him this time He blinks And looks around He realizes where he is. He's playing the Hollywood Bowl. He looks down. Perkins has his hands burning down the piano as usual. He looks out at the crowd. They're all mindlessly dancing to the music. Completely gone, taken by the gods of melody. Lewis looks at his hands. He grits his teeth and with all his might, lifts them from the keys he falls off the bench scrambling his body from the piano a few feet the band doesn't stop and the crowd keeps swaying he holds up his hands with the cords in them he grabs one of the cords and pulls at it a little he screams in agony desperate he wraps the cord from his left hand around his right hand steadying it He puts the lapel of his tuxedo in his teeth and closes his eyes. He yanks on the string, trying not to scream as he slowly pulls it out of his hand. Slowly inches of bloody cord emerge from his skin. He frees his left hand and falls onto his back in pain. The crowd still sways and dances to the band's music. He grabs the cords on his right hand and quickly yanks them, hurting his teeth in pain. His hands pour blood onto the stage. He's free from the cords. He gets to his feet and runs into the crowd. He goes to the front row screaming, Help me! Someone help me, please! I'm not me! Someone has taking my life! The people don't react. <laughs> not at all. He runs up and down the stairs, shaking audience members, trying to get someone to listen. He gets to the next section and sees a familiar face. It's Teresa. She's much, much older than the last time Lewis had seen her. Her face is proud as she grabs the hand of a young woman to her left. A young woman who has Lewis's eyes and his crooked smile. Just like the rest of the crowd, she sways in place, eyes locked on the stage. No! Barely escapes his lips as he looks on at his lost life in horror. He snaps out of his stupor, and he stands before his wife, Teresa, help me, baby, please, I'm me again. Lewis can't shake her. She's totally entranced by the stage. Perplexed, he follows her gaze, and his face goes flush with horror. He sees himself on the piano, still playing along with the band. Robert Perkins stands behind him, like an infernal marionette. Lewis looks down at his hands. The strings are connected again. He's back on stage. He looks up, and Robert is standing there, executing the music. Don't worry, son. I'll do the playin'. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this story. It was a whole lot of fun for us to write together. And a note before I do Patreon shoutouts, I've decided to start releasing ad-free episodes. It was very highly uh, requested for five and ten dollar patrons. On the weeks with no ads, I just won't upload them onto Patreon. But for instance, this week and last week have ads, and well, last week had ads and promos, and this week has a promo and so they'll be available on patreon for five and ten dollar patrons um promo free and it's going to be available the same day as the original episode comes out i don't think i'll be going backwards and doing all the episodes that's just a lot of work that i don't have time for that would be something that honestly i'd probably need to like outsource to someone else um but i will be doing it moving forward so patreon shoutouts a huge huge warm thank you and welcome to b van i like the concise names in the beginning thank you b and van (laughs) james wyatt scott who is my husband and that is very sweet thank you babe for supporting me on patreon david j strandness curtis neufeld kelly corcoran hi kelly i just talked to you recently dean winchester Hannah Johnson, Amelia Sheesley, Shanae, and Winter Bones. Thank you all so 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 much sending you all so much love and light and hugs over the airwaves with the exception of my husband who I can go give a more corporeal hug to. <laughs> love you and love you guys and welcome welcome to the I just got, I got, a, I got a suggestion actually recently, and it was for Wolfpack. I don't know if I'm comfortable with Wolfpack. I don't feel cool enough. I think I told her that too. I don't feel cool enough for Wolfpack, but we're working on it. You know, we'll figure out a name someday, or you'll just all be my friends. Welcome, friends. I like friends. Welcome, friends. Remember to follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and PodChaser, those are so much appreciated appreciated (laughs) it helps others find the show and i love getting good reviews i think that's all now go get some sleep sweet dreams